You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to Ooh, Two, Three, Ah, Gaelish. I'm committing to it again, Jim. It's disappointing. Disappointing. Why are you disappointed? I even threw in a Star Trek reference for you. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I'm obviously really pleased with that, but I don't think the 99% of the listeners will be. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Are you impressed, David Hartrick, who's joining us on the podcast for the very first time? Uh, Star Trek's the one with R2D2, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that's and the for one. the very last time, David has joined us. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who don't know Mr. Hartrick, he's at Every Town Home Game as the analyst for Opta. So he's seen an awful lot of Huddersfield Town over the last few years. Isn't that right, Dave? It is. I've also done a, quite a few away games, actually. Um, but yeah, I get Show to off. see them from a from a couple of different points of view, really, because I do lots of statistical stuff as well. Um, but that's why I'm looking forward to the new season, really, because the, statistically, there's not been an awful lot to analyse over the last couple of years, because <laughs> you can sort of see everything plain as day anyway. So it will be quite, you know, I, I'm hoping for a little bit more of an interesting season on that point of view. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've tried to go into the Optostats towards the end of last season to try and dig out any useful morsels but when the team's just uniformly losing every week it's really hard to, to glean any anything too meaningful out of it other than oh they're not very good are they um <laughs> so hopefully hopefully this season we'll we'll have something more interesting there yeah well it's i mean it's not just that, that in certain aspects they weren't very good it's just you can see where all the problems are there's there's no little nugget to, to sort of dig up when you've it's plain as day if you watch for 20 minutes where the issues are so but yeah this season should be much different yeah well hopefully and obviously we've we've had another game since we last recorded town played Montpellier at the John Smith Stadium on Saturday so Dave what what did you make of the performance against Montpellier well as pre-season games go that was a very pre-season game um (laughs) The 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 weather was absolutely filthy. There were a few players who were clearly just trying to get a few more miles in the tank, and it was it was uh, I, I you know I thought it was a fairly encouraging performance in that town were you saw you saw the game plan for this season, which certainly at home is to be on the front foot, which town were at various times. Um, but Montpellier were a good side, and I, when they went one nil up, I I think the game was reasonably even because Town had had a lot of possession but not done an awful lot with it. But then second half, Town completely deserved the equaliser. But you know, I do hate pre-season because it is people read things into results and look at performances, and really, you've got to understand you. You're just watching a training session. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. So, yeah, I, I it wasn't too bad, but pre-season, it doesn't matter, does it? No, exactly. I mean, we, we had this discussion 
on the podcast last week, so we're not going to dwell on the, on that friendly, that final friendly, too much. I would just say to play a bit of devil's advocate that Christopher Schindler has has come out in in the press in quotes that we carried in the Examiner on on Wednesday, saying that kind of backing up what I said last week, which is that for Town in particular, just getting back into that winning mentality has been quite important for them that they've had across the six games that were you know in front of the public they've had four wins and two draws but as you say it's it's all going to be meaningless by the time Derby County rolled around on yeah. on Monday and and I think perhaps we should probably start looking forward to that to that Derby game now we, we we've got a few things to cover so today we're going to be looking at preview that Derby game. We're going to have a, a discussion of David Webb, who's the new head of football operations, and we're going to do some some championship predictions. But before we get onto that, let's let's take a look at Derby. Jim, what what are you expecting from town on Monday? I think we will probably take the approach that we've taken in pre-season, which was play quite aggressively in terms of the press. I think we will try to play it forward, take more risks than we did un, un, under Wagner or could do under Siva in the Premier League just because of the nature and, and quality of the opposition. Uh, I think it's it's a really tough game and it's a tough game in a wider context of a very tough start. Um, I'll be very honest and say I'm not sure what I expect out of that game. Part of me thinks we could come away, you know, and, and, and sort of carry on as, as we've been and, and win two, two, you know, three, one, whatever. Part of me also thinks that I think we might get a shock, like a w- welcome back to the championship kind of scenario. I think, you know, Derby have, again, they've been there or thereabouts for a few seasons now, but they've lost, you know, Wilson, Tamari, Mount. It's going to be difficult to replace them. I know they've got you know, Dowell in, in central midfield, which is a good signing, and, and we were after him. Um, I know Koku's a good manager, likes to play kind of a good, attractive style of football. So, you know, I'll have to cop out and say I'm not quite sure what I expect from the game. Well, I think if you look at it in the context of the town season, um, town's whole season comes down to one thing, really, which is they've got to get a win under their belt as soon as possible because you know us Wigan fans Villa fans Sunderland fans Bradford fans how difficult it is to get going again after a long hard season of of not winning and I like I actually think it's quite a good game first up because it's while it's I mean by no means is it a free hit it feels like the sort of game that if if Town did come out of it with a win, then it feels like a decent scalp as well. It feels like a, a bit of a platform. It, it's always difficult in a manager's first game because they're still trying to get their ideas across. Um, you're quite right. Derby have lost sort of the spine of what made them really good last season. I wouldn't say they're there for the taking, but I would say it's it's a good time to play Derby at home, to be honest. And... I, I I don't want to sort of stick my neck on the line and say Town will definitely win, put your mortgage on it. But I think there is an opportunity there. And I think, you know, whilst you can't read too much into pre-season, if you look at pre-season, if you look at the back end of last season, 
you got a bit of an idea of what Jan wanted to do, which is a lot of pace, a lot of pressing, uh, and a lot of getting about the opposition. If they can do that and get on that front foot early, and if they could go in at half-time leading, then you know there's there's a big chance there for Town. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Is that, as you say, it helps Town set the level playing against a team who I think I've read, I've read a lot of sort of pundits' predictions over the last last few days, and I think most people are kind of expecting, as both of you alluded to, Derby to fall away a little bit from where they were last season. Obviously, they snuck into the playoffs late on and and ended up getting to the final and, and losing to Aston Villa. I think even Derby fans, I don't know, it's they're in a strange position because they've been up there sort of between third and eighth for about, for it feels like about 10 years now. And, and never quite managed to push on to that next level. So almost playing against a team that has been that sort of consistently at that, that level in the championship, I think is a is a really good way for, for Town to get a, a gauge of, of where they are and what, what needs to be done in the in the seasons ahead. One thing I, I will say is that Derby still have a lot of quality, a lot of proven players at this level and they can hurt you. And one thing that I can foresee is that, you know, town fans always place too much on pre-season, like a lot of fans do. I can see us losing that first match and then going into those next three games. And I can see that really knocking the stuffing out of the crowd if we do lose. And I can see it setting a really negative tone. I think, unfortunately and unrealistically, a lot of fans are just really expecting to win that game. Yeah, I, I there is a world where the balloon gets punctured straight away, but the the sort of counterpoint I'd say to that, Jim, is that if you were playing Charlton or Luton at home and you don't get a result, then not only do you puncture the crowd, the team is really going to start to feel the pressure. Mm. Worst case scenario, if you lose to Derby you can at least look at the team and say, well, they're going to think to themselves, Derby are a good side. We will beat teams going forward. So, yeah, like I say, it's by no means a free hit, but I I, I think it's actually a better fixture than some are giving it credit for, really, first up. I think the, the probably the, the more damaging ones, obviously QPR away is, is a bit of a banana skin. I've I've tipped them to to go down this season QPR, which is possibly a bit harsh on Mark Warburton, who I think is a, a good manager. But I mean, if they if they don't get at least a draw against QPR, I think that would be much more damaging. I mean, these the the town fans have been pretty irrepressible over the last couple of years, particularly you know towards the end of last season. I was at the the Palace game as the first game I covered for the Examiner, and the fans were were singing and dancing. You know, we are going down, and and you know they kept that up. That, that, but those can, kind I just, of can I just say as well is like understand that, but uh, it, this is a completely different context. Exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, exactly. There, there was an expectation um, and, a, and a realism, I think, around both the first and second um, uh, seasons in the, in the Premier League that this was going to be really tough. That you know nobody expected us to be here, so it's it's going to be a, a party. Um, and to an extent it was, and certainly in the, in the South Stand uh, uh, and kind of leading from the Cowshed Loyal, um, that was always the, the tone that was to be set. 
that I can tell you now that, that is not the tone that will be set in the championship. <laughs> um, people don't necessarily expect to win the league or to you know to to be 100% going straight back up, but people are. I you know I know town crowds. Uh, they're not going to give the kind of leeway that they gave in the Premier League, as they used to call it, the gal farm grown. Um, you, you'll see that creeping back in really, really quickly. Guarantee they're just they're just desperate to just start enjoying it again, aren't they, Jim? That's the thing. Yeah, absolutely. They, and well, they within... just want to enjoy going to watch town, which last season they just didn't, did they? No, definitely not. And and you know, I will say everybody's well within the rights to to want to enjoy a football game. And I think town fans. Um, have been spectacular for the past two seasons and, and they will always be, I think, a lot better and, and give a lot more leeway than a, a lot of other fans. But I just think perhaps we we don't just need to manage our expectations um, from our side about the performance of the team on the field. I think everybody else at the football club might have to manage their expectations about how the crowd will interact this this season going forward because the context is different. It's an interesting one, though, because I think the expectations among the fans are probably realistic in terms of league position. I think a lot of people would be very happy if they were to mount a you know a playoff push at, at best. I don't think anyone is expecting anything like a challenge for automatic promotion, which suggests that you know if, if they end up finishing sort of eighth or ninth, but there's been progress throughout the season, then you'd be happy with that. But at the same time, if they go out and draw a load of games that they should have won which to be honest I kind of am expecting they will do towards the beginning of the season that's it's easy to to say at the start of the season well we just want to see progress throughout throughout the year but when you're not getting those points that you feel like you should be getting it it does inevitably get to you as a fan yeah what what I'm saying is I think the, the crowd will ebb and flow a lot more in relation to the results than they, they did say in in the Premier League, uh, which you, is absolutely perfectly normal. <laughs> do you think that having been in the Premier League has set expectations too high? Not not consciously, because as I say, I think most fans would be realistic about the league position. But in terms of you know having enjoyed the promotion season and seeing what a promotion season looks like, do you think that when it actually comes down to it, they're they'll they'll be expecting something that they're just not going to get. I think to an extent that happens with all clubs that get promoted unexpectedly. No matter what the context um, or narrative, you are going to expect more than you expected before. Even looking at those first four fixtures, which three, four, five years ago, you'd look to that and go, yeah, we're lucky to get out out of that. You look at that now and think, well, of course, we've we've got a better team. We've seen better football. We expect... More we expect the results. You know, we don't necessarily expect to win every game, but we expect a lot more than we did the last time we were here. Well, that's again perfectly natural. It's the Leicester City thing, isn't it? I I know a couple of Leicester fans. They had the brilliant season where they won the title. The next couple of years, they've not really known where to set their expectations because obviously you're not going to win the title again but you have won the title so what you know what where should you be what constitutes success and i think for some town fans there is a little bit of that subconsciously at the moment you know <laughs> they can they can talk themselves down but they want to be 
top half of the table and like you say competing for the playoffs and you know not necessarily pushing on for the automatic slots or anything like that but it is just that it's human nature after the success they've had to to reassess where they would have set their sort of normal parameters um but yeah i it's just I come back to it again, but Town's whole season lives or dies by how quickly they put sort of two wins together, doesn't it? That's the thing. Mm. And that's the same, I think, for in the Championship. You do have those periods where even a team that gets promoted will just have an absolutely awful run of five games. Mm. And it's the teams that can push through that and, and the fans that can push through it with, with the, the team that tend to be more successful. I mean, another thing to consider is that we're not the plucky underdog anymore. And we, yeah. we need to completely throw that out of the window because not only should, should are we not in a financial context or a you know squad context, nobody else sees us as a plucky underdog in that league and they're all going to want to scalp us. Um, so we need to just get rid of that mentality completely. I, I think, though, the, the counterpoint to that is I would say you've got a manager now who having been in press conferences and, and, you know, conversations that he's had, one of the things I think a lot of fans and a lot of people struggled with at first when he came in is that he is sort of almost diametrically opposed to that view. You know, he really doesn't like that idea of being a, you know, like a plucky underdog or anything like that. He, if, if something's bad, he will say it's bad. You know, if something's good, he will say it's good, but he won't just constantly write things off to, you know, we are little Huddersfield or people don't expect us to do this. So I think you're you're exactly right, but I actually think you've got a really good manager in place to combat that, certainly in the dressing room. I think that's right, yeah. He's, he's certainly the, the right man for, for where we are now in terms of his attitude. I think that attitude came across badly in the Premier League as well when he was coming out after every game and saying that he was, you know, proud of the performance and things like that when they'd just been pumped 5-0. Um, I think that rubbed some fans up the wrong way. Now, I suspect that actually part of that was a language barrier thing because yeah, his, English, very his, much so. his English is getting better. You know, every time I see him, he's, uh, he's, his English is a little bit better. And it was good to begin with, but it's just little intricacies. Like, I think he clearly meant pleased when he was saying proud. He didn't mean proud. Yeah. That, that's a little bit too chest thumpy. I think he meant that he was pleased that the players were taking on board the ideas, but he, he didn't quite have the words uh, to express it. But I think that positivity is going to do... I mean, it's it seems to have done wonders just from having you know been out in Austria and been around the training camp. It seems to have done wonders for the players and they've all talked about it, which we've, we've sort of banged on about ad nauseum over the summer. And that, as we've talked about, that could easily fall away if, if town get off to a really horrendous start. But I think they do need someone that's, that's going to G them up. Uh, you know, that, that his his natural mode is to G them up. Not that, I mean, as we discussed last week, Jim, not that he's averse to giving them an earful when he thinks they deserve it either. He's a very black and white bloke, that's the thing. He he, I think David Wagner was, as brilliant as he was, his sort of default mode was almost to sort of go around and tickle a few tummies, whereas Yanni's quite, he's a lot more straightforward than that, isn't he, Steve? Or you certainly get, that impression but I think there'll be players in that squad who will you know really respond to that and really like that going forward and I think the ones that didn't like it uh, are the ones that have left 
like the the trouble the, the seven that Phil Hodgkinson's talked about that have said they want to leave and and I think we all know who those are Th- those have all with the exception of Siberi and Zanka they've all gone there with Philip Billing having completed that that move to Bournemouth and I think it it seems like he does have a dressing room of players that he feels like um, will respond to to what he's trying to do and and that's come across on the training pitch and all the players have have kind of alluded to that in the interviews when I've spoken to them as well. I don't think he would be afraid if a player wasn't not not pulling their weight, but just wasn't doing what he wanted them to do. I don't think he would have any hesitation in in dropping them from the team in favour of someone who might be you know a little bit less brilliant on paper, but will actually follow the instructions. Which again is when you're trying to instill a new playing style. I think is is something that I think that's really important. I mean, I'm just looking at last year's table. I'm looking at the first five games of the championship from last year, and I think it's well known that Norwich got off to actually quite a bad start and ended up romping to the title. So I'm not saying that if Town, you know, lose, win one, draw one, and lose three of their first five like Norwich did last year, that they're going to go to the title. But I think there is a, a word of caution that it's you know the first five are not the be all and end all. I mean, Bolton had the opposite record after five games last season; they were third. So. Yeah, I mean, the the first five games will set a level, but it is a long season. The first five are not quite as, just mathematically, because it's a smaller percentage of the season, the first five games you can recover from as long as you learn from whatever mistakes you make and, and you know, correct them going forward. And again, conversely, as I say, Bolton, if they do, if Town get off to a stormer, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to go and, and, you know, definitely win the league or get a playoff spot it's it's a long season uh and and five games it might might mean the difference between promotion and a playoff spot but it's not going to mean the difference between you know finishing sixth or finishing 20th like it might do in the premier league yeah agreed another positive for Huddersfield town this week is an appointment that's gone down really well david webb has finally come in as the head of football operations. It's a job that they've been recruiting for for over six months now. Since Olaf Rebbe left his position as sporting director shortly after David Wagner left, and uh, the fans seem very pleased with uh, with David Webb's CV from what they've seen so far. Dave, what's your take on that appointment? I think it's an excellent appointment. I think um, you have to look at Town's quite specific needs, which is... They want to work within a budget. They need to find players who can come and fit within a system. And also, they're real. They're still trying to rebuild the youth system. Um, and here you've got a guy with a proven track record of of digging up. I mean, let's be honest, like absolute gems. Really, he was. He's the man who allegedly found Will Sahar, wasn't he? He was the man who identified Son for Tottenham when he was at Bournemouth. They put together that team over two seasons that, I mean, they're still playing with the heart of now in the Premier League and surviving comfortably. And since he's been over at Ostersons, he's not... He's done okay, but he's not been there sort of long enough to really leave a, a massive stamp there or anything but everything you read about this guy and you hear about this guy and speaking to people who know far more than us about this guy it's all positive you know it's all 
he knows his stuff. He's he's really really good at really drilling down into the minutiae of a player. And I, I you know I hate to use this phrase because I things have moved on since this was fashionable. But he is a money baller. You know he he can find players on on a shoestring. Um, you know round pegs for round holes. And that's exactly what Town need. That is that is what they what Rebbe was was not doing in my opinion. He seems to be a man whose personality fits in with everything Huddersfield are doing at the moment. He's a very calming, assured presence from what I'm told. And, you know, town behind the scenes that's that's their model, isn't it, Steve? They like uh, you know, they don't want massive disruption and sort of real firebrand characters so yeah it, it it all feels very positive doesn't it yeah exactly and you know I've, I've spoken to to someone who who knows uh david webb and he was saying that he was likewise very impressed with with the way that town do things so it does seem like a good fit he was you know you're saying he was very impressed with with his meetings with phil hodgkinson and his meetings with jan siever who you have to say, I mean, we've heard of, we've, that's not the first time we've heard that when it comes to uh, backroom appointments or player signings, you know, players being, you know, very impressed with with what Siva has to say. So it goes back to what we were saying before about having players buying into what he's doing. He clearly is able to express a project in a way that, that people buy into, which is really positive. Uh, as you say, Webb's web CV is, is very impressive. It's always difficult with these kinds of positions. I know he's not a director of football, but looking at other, you know, directors of football at other other clubs, sometimes they come in with a brilliant CV and it doesn't work out for whatever reason. And it's normally because they're not the right fit for that club. But it does, as you say, look like David Webb is going to be, or or on paper at least, he looks like he is the right fit for town, which is is positive well i i think it would be it's not going out on a limb to say that rebbe didn't work you know his his recruitment wasn't great and he he didn't seem to fit there at all and it, the sort of timing of his departure really was quite telling and this just feels like a far more solid appointment you know if i know who you you've spoke to you know i'd I'd say he's he's a good judge as well so yeah i i do think it's positive and i do think it's another building block in place because i think town are after after what wagner came and did to the club and took it up and you know had such wonderful success they've had to sort of break that down a bit and start to rebuild again and it's it it feels like a long-term appointment it feels safe. It feels solid. Yeah, very, very positive. Jim, we've kind of uh, been here before with the, you know, they've had a few people in that kind of position over the last few years. What, what's your take on on this latest appointment? Yeah, I think I'd echo everything that you two have said there. It's obviously been a position that we we struck lucky with 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 Weber, um, and he's the kind of the model that I think everybody would would hold Web to. We've got to stick with it. I don't think I'm being unfair here when I say town since Weber have had a pretty appalling track record, not just on hiring directors of football, but defining what they do, mm, um, yeah. keeping hold of them. I think it's probably no secret that was it Moss that, that left because they closed the academy, I think, probably without 
really his input and that was part of his role um, so that was very abrupt they waited a very long time then to bring in Raber who, who turned out to be the wrong choice I think we've waited a long time here and I think it's unusual that we've waited until after the uh, transfer window closes to, to bring him in but I think we've done pretty decent business with the recruitment team so it's it's about actually letting Webb do his job and it is quite a wide ranging job I think we have to you know trust in his CV and, and just step back for until you know the next transfer window or maybe the next two mm-hmm. or three transfer windows I would say on the 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 timing of the appointment I think it was I think part of the reason for that is because of they've been burnt with the last couple of people that they've they've had in the role in, in one way or another that and I think it was more about them getting in the right person rather than rushing to get someone. And it is a notoriously difficult position to fill. I mean, you look at how Arsenal have, have really struggled to fill that role. Um, you know, and Juve tried someone that, that didn't work out. And Liverpool took years to, to get it right after, you know, trying out Dan- Damien Camoli, who's now at Fenerbahce. It is a notoriously difficult position to get right. And it has massive consequences as town have found out if you don't get it right so yeah i i think it i think they've done the right thing it, it, it would have been worrying if they'd gone you know if we if we'd got to christmas and they still there still wasn't any movement on it given that they you know they were quite open about the fact that they were recruiting for it but i think it seems like they've got the right man now and and i think hopefully they'll find that it's it's worth the wait he seems like he seems like a good a good fit I can't, you know, I can't think of, of many other people who, who of, of his, his caliber that we would have been able to attract in the championship. Um, so it's really positive, I think. I think it's just worth touching on something you both said, though, and that's, I think, with the the what you were saying about the fans earlier, Jim, is exactly right that they will ebb and flow. But I think they there needs to be a level of understanding that there are. It, it feels like there's a longer-term project being put in place at the moment and they're putting the pieces together slowly but trying to make sure they're the right pieces as they go. And I include you know, the, the manager in this. I think, particularly over this season, there are going to be times where there's there really needs to be some patience required. And I, I think he's an excellent appointment, David Webb, but I don't... I don't think you know the January transfer window is going to be the one where he finds three gems who come into the championship for next to nothing can do absolutely brilliant work. I think you have to give him time to to do his job and really it's next summer where it becomes incredibly important with the parachute payments etc that you've got somebody who knows what they're doing recruitment wise and identifies and finds the right people then. And Town will have a better idea of, of what they need and where they stand in the championship because it's something that Jim and I have talked about when we tried to analyse the new signings, which is they look good. You know, Karoma comes with loads of promise and Reese Brown, people have, have talked him up, but ultimately they're untested in the championship. And a lot of the players, I mean, obviously, you know, the likes of, of Schindler, I've, I've just said the likes of, which will really annoy one of our regular listeners who constantly gets in touch about this, by the way. Um, but the likes of Schindler will be, you know, we know that they're good in the championship, but you look through a lot of that squad and 
a lot of them are untested in in the championship and i think they're almost expecting to use this season to be like okay this person's up to it but this person isn't and and i think that's part of the reason they're, they're keen on the the one in one out as well is because they they kind of want to give the existing squad a chance to sit a chance to show what they can do and show whether they're up to the championship standard or not and if they're not then they can look at they they know their priority list for next summer yeah the the single biggest thing i think about the championship is that it kills very very good players because take somebody like congolo who we know is a really really good player but he's never been in a system before where he's playing Saturday, Tuesday, Friday night, Wednesday, <laughs> Sunday, Tuesday. You know, it, the championship, if if there was one word to describe it, it's relentless. Mm. So, you know, it's it's a different mindset and skill set, really, for a lot of players. So, yeah, I think you're exactly right. There is going to be a lot of sort of using it as a testing ground this season, isn't there? Um, speaking of, oh, this is a terrible segue, but speaking of the championship, as we have been for the entire 35 minutes or so, so far, um, do we have any predictions for the championship? So we can, we can come back to town in a bit. Um, should we start with relegation? Uh, and I don't want to dwell too long on it. We're not going to do the whole one to 24, but are there any, are there one or two teams that you, that either of you think, don't look in great shape for the season ahead. I'll start with you, Jim. I agree with you about QPR. Uh, I also think Charlton will struggle. Yeah. Seems to have had quite a high turnover of, 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 of players as well. So I just, I know, I just look at them and I'm not sure about them. And then there's, there's, you know, there's five, six, seven, eight, nine teams that could happily get relegated. <laughs> um, I, and, and again, I, I I don't want to lean in on the cliche of the championship being a competitive, unpredictable league, and that's why we all love it, blah, blah, blah. But the championship is an unpredictable, competitive league, <laughs> and that's why we love it, blah, blah, blah. So I'm, I'm reluctant to do predictions. Um, but certainly those two teams, I think, I look at them and I think, mm, they might struggle. The three teams that stand out a mile to me are Birmingham, Luton and Reading I think mm. Reading are in trouble this yep. season um, Birmingham obviously got hit with the FFP last year uh, they've they've lost a couple as well <sighs> having seen them a couple of times because as part of my job I do cover all over the place having seen them a couple of times last season I don't think they're great Luton have done brilliantly to get into the championship but I don't think they've got enough to stay there um, and yeah, I, I think Reading are, are a lot poorer than people think at the moment. But Jim's exactly right. It's that <laughs> you're going to have one team that gets stranded. You're going to have another team that's there or thereabouts all season and goes down. And then it's going to be one of about seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you on on Reading for for what that's worth, and I agree with Jim on on Charlton. So. Um, yeah, those are and QPRs my other one. If you if you put a gun to my head, um, and I mean people always say if you put a gun to my head, but it's not a realistic scenario, is it? No one's no one's that desperate for championship predictions. They're all over the place. Just, just... <laughs> depends anyway. who you work for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Who are these gunmen that are going around? Anyway, uh, promotion. On the other hand, do I mean? 
we don't want to talk about them lot up the road too much, I imagine. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's hard to look past Leeds, isn't it? Leeds, keeping Bielsa, um, it wouldn't have mattered who, who else they would have signed or who they would have let go of. Uh, that is by far the most important thing for them and I, I can't look past them for challenging again. Mm, I, I I think a lot of... The thing is, as, as a slight disciple of Bielsa's former career, I, I just can't... I can't see him not doing what he always does and what he did last season, which is setting off like an absolute steam train and then by the end of the season... The, the trains you know run out of steam and the, the wheels are falling off and I, I I just don't know because they don't seem to be massively improving or expanding the squad I don't think there'll be huge investment in January like there wasn't last season so I don't know I mean they're, they're favourites for a reason and that reason is their manager but I look at Brentford and Bristol City as as your sort of outsiders really coming up on the outside because they've both got very good sides on the quiet and I think they're going to be strong. It's quite. A few I, I don't know with Leeds. I, I honestly don't know. I've, I sort of feel like it could go one way or the other and I also look at Leeds and I look at Fulham and even though Fulham have got Scott Parker as manager who's fairly untried and untested, I think well, Fulham have got a much better first eleven than Leeds and a much better squad than Leeds so mm. does that carry them above them and you know beyond um I don't know I'm not I'm not quite as sort of certain on Leeds as everybody else seems to be mm. I mean I don't think I'm, I'm not the top is harder actually than even looking at relegation candidates there's another you know 10 to 14 teams that actually think well they could at least get in the playoffs if they put a good run together I agree with you on Brentford and Bristol and there seems to be a, a real intent behind Brentford as well mm. um, it's been coming for a terms, number of years hasn't it Brentford yeah, they've been building that up slow, doing what town I think would ideally like to have done if they hadn't got promoted to the Premier League so quickly which is building it up over a number of years and getting a real project with people behind them there's quite a few people who think that this might be the year that bears fruit for Brentford that's almost town's model going forward isn't it now yeah that's almost what they're returning to, you know, trying to trying to build something over three seasons rather than trying to do it all in six months, isn't it? And I yeah. think that's the best approach. It seems to we seem to have a really coherent plan now, which mm. we've never really had before. And actually, to be fair, a few football clubs do. <laughs> Another team I, w- I would point to, I think Cardiff uh, are in a good position to go back up. I think they've got a a squad that is built to do well in the long haul in the championship and a manager that has, has proven that he can just squeeze results out of anything I, I feel exactly the same about West Brom mm. I think I think West Brom are there's, uh, West Brom are the team I'm sort of think could go up through the playoffs this time because they're just really really resilient you know they, they just cling on constantly and um yeah, but you're. I mean, you're exactly right. It is harder to predict the top of the championship because you only have to look through like the last sort of five seasons, and you can see there is always at least two names there or thereabouts where you think, well, "Where have they come from?" You know, <laughs> including Huddersfield Town. Yeah. And speaking of which, are we? Do we have any 
thoughts on where Town might finish this year? Uh, start with you, Jim. I think we'll be pushing the playoffs, touching wood. <laughs> I think I'll, I'll look at his squad on paper and we've kept a, a really good spine with experience and we've added to that with you know young players with, with potential that seem to have a bit of you know attitude and, and seem a bit fearless. I think Grant will be really important. He looks like he will do really, yeah, really well at this level. And, and if he can be that striker who's pushing 15, 20, even 25 goals, that's a massive asset. And one that Town haven't really had. He, you know, for all they've been successful over the last, well, last year aside, for all they've been successful, they haven't Since had Rose, that. Really. Yeah, exactly. And he looks like that, that guy who can, can you know, grab you the, the goals that you need. And, and pull you through, you know, when you, you go through those rough periods in the championship because there's so many games. Um, he looks like someone who can just, just pop up from, from nowhere at that level and get you a goal when you don't even deserve it. And, and that's what we need to do. And I've just got a sneaky feeling that we, 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 might, we might do that a few times and we, we, we might be lucky enough to get into the playoffs. I, I've got similar feelings, really. I, I think it will... I think if they... If if town finish sort of eighth, ninth, or tenth, but it's been a far more enjoyable season, and they've been you know scoring goals at home and what have you, I think the fans have to accept that as a bit of progress. In reality, I think there is a chance they're pushing to get into the playoffs, um, and I you know I think they could do it. The the one thing Jan wants and has talked about. Um, in public and in private, is he wants his sort of front three slash four to be lightning quick. And you look at the likes of Mbenza, Diakabi, Grant, you know, Brown, Karoma now. These are all really, really quick, pacey players. And pace takes you quite a long way against a lot of championship sides. So... I, I think just by virtue of that alone, there's a chance that Town are going to pick up a few more points than, than some are giving them credit for. But Grant, as you've rightly pointed to, is massive because if he gets 20-25 goals in this league, then Town will be absolutely fine. You know, a, a, a goal scorer takes you a huge distance in the Championship. And I also think... If Jan can crack it and get, uh, you know, a really really quick attack, I think Grant's really going to like that. You know, I think he's really going to enjoy playing in in a front three that are breaking all the time and that there's space to run into and that they're trying to get behind. So, so yeah, I I think pushing playoffs is is about where you want to be. But if you're a couple of places below that, as I said, I think if you finish sort of tenth or eleventh, but it had been you know, a much more enjoyable season than I think you go, do you know what, fair enough. I, I agree as well. I think people just want to win games. I think people want yeah. th- those odd games on a Tuesday night where you just batter someone 6-0 and it's fun yeah. and there's a kind of atmosphere. Yeah, I think if we finish, you know, like I said last week, we'll probably finish somewhere between 5th and 14th. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm not sure, but I'll, as long as we score goals, as, as, as long as we have a go... I'd, I'd be happy to finish in that range. And, and I think most, most town fans would, to be honest, because then you look forward to the future, and even if you do finish 14th, you think, well, we've got a plan here. 
We've got players who are just going to grow. Yeah. Are only going to grow into this league. We've got a director of football who's got a proven track record of discovering those gems. You know, for 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 relatively nothing. We've got a manager who has an idea of what he wants to do, and the long term future. Um, you know, only looks bright. So, you know, I think where wherever we finish, you know, within within that range, it, yeah. I'd, I'd be happy. The I think thing, the, I think the the last the last thing I'd say about it is I think you've got a manager as well. He's not one to to die asking. He will he will go for it in nearly every game, regardless of who you're playing. I I don't think Town will get a load of draws. In my humble opinion, I think it will be win or bust, <laughs> which you know will cost you a couple of league places undeniably. But at the same time, I think will make. Uh, make it a lot more fun. So you said that I'd agreed with everything that you'd that you'd said. I, I I as I said earlier, I do think there might be times where they end up getting a load of frustrating draws in games that that, that they should have won. Um, just because I'm not convinced that the the cohesion between you know the the link between the midfield and the attack is is going to be there from the very beginning. I think the key thing as a fan is which we we tend to forget because football has become this multi-million dollar industry where everything is riding on on it but it's meant to be fun <laughs> and and as long as it is fun i actually think a lot of fans will will remember how satisfying and fulfilling that is Re- regardless of whether it's a roller coaster ride regardless of where you finish it's a game it's meant to be fun i think certainly that's what I want to get back to because a lot of that was lost in the Premier League. I'll just make one last prediction. I think by the end of the season, town fans are going to absolutely adore Tommy Elphick and they're also going to have a new younger hero in O'Brien. I think they're both going to be pivotal to whatever happens this season. Would agree with both of that. And that seems like a good note to end on. So thank you for joining us on this week's Utabia and thank you to Jim Chisholm and to Dave Hartrick for joining me this week. Are you on Twitter, the both of you? Yes, at David Hartrick, which is H-A-R-T-R-I-C-K because no one can ever spell it correctly. And I'm at Jim underscore Chisholm, C-H-I-S-E-M because also nobody can ever spell that correctly. Ah, well, (laughs) I have no problems with mine. So it's uh, at Stephen Chicken. (laughs) Stephen with a V, I guess is the only thing, but chicken... As it sounds. So if you enjoyed the episode, then tell a friend. If you really enjoyed the episode, then tell several friends and leave a rating, etc. You've listened to podcasts before, you know all this stuff. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. (laughs) 